welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Tension, the Struggle is Real. Hey, do me a favor, grab a pen. Uh, the bulletin you were given when you walked in, there's a place to take a few notes. If you're writing on a tablet, make sure you turn it off as in regards to the volume sound. That would help us out. But it, yeah, you may want to take some notes here. All, all of my notes and outline will be online later today, thecrossloganville.org. So any of our messages, when you hear them, uh, there's a video, there's an audio. You can podcast them, as well as all of our notes are available so that you can dive deeper into your own personal study. Now, here's something that's very interesting to me. Relationships may be somewhat easy to obtain, but man, they're messy and hard and difficult to maintain. It, it's easy to obtain them, but it's a lot more hard uh, day in and day out to maintain them. Good friends and even family members can get sideways and heartbeat. And so when you start to look at it, it's like, man, what happened there? They they're, 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 they're at each other's throat. They're constantly fighting with each other. And here's the thing. All people, every person under my voice this morning, here's the truth. All people get attitudes. But some people keep a bad attitude. Can I get a witness? You know anybody like that? It's just like, man, they're always just negative, complaining. And it's crazy. Paul writes this incredible, like, positive perspective letter that we call Philippians. It's a letter of joy, and it's, it's, it's a healthy letter, and there's so many nuggets in it. I mean, being confident that God who began this good work in you will be faithful to complete it, and for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, and hey, man, I can do all things through Christ, and my God's going to supply all my... All this stuff is in Philippians, but in chapter 4, as we have it, the first two verses of chapter 4 are a trip. I, I, want, you, I want you to pay attention to this. He, he writes and he says, dear brothers and sisters, I love you and I long to see you. Please stay true to the Lord. I'm pleading with these two women, Euodia and Sintich. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Euodia, who is she? Sintich, I don't know. I'd probably have an attitude if my mama would have named me that too. So I don't, I don't know how that one falls. But when you start to study it, it's like, Linda, Julie, get along with each other. Wh whoever it is, settle your disagreements. You claim that you belong to Jesus and you're, you're at each other's throat. You're, you're bickering, you're fighting. And, and, and even in the church, I know this is hard to imagine, but even in the church, even friends and, and people that have done life can get sideways and things can get messy. It's easy to obtain a relationship, but the deeper you go, here, here, let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. I don't struggle with the fact that I'm looking at a lot of people today, all of you, matter of fact, including myself. I don't struggle with the fact that you were born into the world with a condition called depravity. You're depraved. I'm depraved. All of us are depraved. Here's what I struggle with. I just don't like some people's humanity. It's like, what are you saying? I'm okay that you were born a sinner. I just don't like how some people manifest their sin. And I think that's where the tension starts. And we're all jacked up. It's like, I've got room for people 
that are jacked up like I am, but people are jacked up in other areas not like me sometimes bother me. And we're all jacked up, and that's wrong. We, we can all mess it up. And so we obtain relationships, and then we try to maintain them and sustain them, and it gets all kinds of uh, twisted and messy. Listen to this right here. A healthy relationship, I want you to think about this. A healthy relationship involves mutual care. You care about one another. Respect, compassion, a genuine, a genuine interest in the welfare and growth of others. It's a healthy relationship, Sarah. I care about you. I want to see you grow. I want to see you flourish. But it's mutual. It gets jacked up when the other person doesn't care anything about your growth, about you maturing, about you becoming healthy. A healthy relationship is a safe, secure place where we can be ourselves without fear, and it's a healthy place where we can learn to struggle well. A healthy relationship says, come on, be you. You don't have to be something else. I want you to be you, but I, I want to see you be fully alive in Christ. A toxic relationship is characterized by self-centeredness, self-exaltation, dominance, uh, control, manipulation. Man, that's a toxic relationship there. It's all about the other person. They may be putting you down, and they may be dogging you. And, and, and here, here's what I know. Here, here's what I know. We risk being healthy by staying in a toxic relationship. If you are in a toxic relationship, even the young girl we did this intervention with last night has been in a brutal, toxic relationship marriage. Counseled with a 21-year-old girl last week. 21-year-old girl, hasn't been married for very long, in a toxic relationship, ignored some warning signs, went ahead. It's toxic. And it's like, you risk being healthy if you stay in it. You risk being healthy if you stay in it. Now, where I'm going to go right now, I want to talk about some things Les Parrott has kind of shared with us uh, in his book, Dealing with High-Maintenance People, Les is going to be one of the speakers on Friday night with our marriage piece. But as I break down some of these things of high-maintenance, toxic personalities, don't be pointing your finger at everyone else. You've got to start with yourself by looking in the mirror. You've got to look in the mirror. And so, as you start to ponder this right now, we'll pick it up in the second one, Matt. The first personality or twisted person that I want you to see is a person called the critic. Now, over the last uh, week and a half, I've written about nine kind of toxic personalities. Narcy, bull shooter, ISO. This week, I wrote about Connor. It's like Connor, con her, yet he's always conning somebody. He's a control freak. So I've written about a lot of personalities, and I've got them all kind of compiled together. It's about 15 pages, if you will, and I'll make it available to you. But there's nine kind of dysfunctional personalities. I, I, I'm writing this week about Manny the Manipulator because I wanted to give my Latino friends at least some love. So anyway, no. But, but we're all dealing with crazy personalities. Now, listen to the critic. They're known to complain and give unwanted advice. 
the critic. They complain, always giving unwanted advice. Critics find fault with pretty much everything. Critics are bossy, judgmental, power-hungry, arrogant, and they're exhausting to be around. Man, I'm hanging out with a person that's a critic, and all I hear is just constant, just beat down. Critics will assume the position of an expert. They know everything. Now, again, you're starting with a man in the mirror. You're not looking at everybody else. You're dealing with yourself. I'm not sitting here going, how does this apply to all my friends or family members that are jacked up? I'm like, where are these patterns in my life? What do I need to work on? Okay? Critics. They parade their knowledge in front of everyone, and they have a tendency to focus on trivial details. You got all this information of stuff that don't even matter. They will put you down, lecture you, and make fun of you in front of other people. You ever been there with a critic? You ever been critical yourself? The critic, they ignore your boundaries. They will try to convince you that their criticism is for your best. Now, 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 now sister, what I'm sharing with you is really for your good. Critics will make you question your sanity. Critics will make you think that you've lost your freaking mind. Critics. Now, again, we've all got high-maintenance, toxic relationships around us, and some of us are toxic ourselves. Some of us have damaged so many relationships, it's not even funny. Is it because you're critical? And then you've got the steamroller. The steamroller comes in totally insensitive to others and to others' space. When a steamroller wants your opinion, they give it to you, and if you don't like it, watch out. It's their way or the highway. Wounded people, remember, still have agendas and solutions and strategies and methods that they're going to force. Steamroller. They're very condescending. They're always right. They avoid taking personal responsibility, and they're experts at shifting the blame to other people. They're steamrollers. Steamrollers make you feel shamed and stupid. I never measure up. They will intrude on a peaceful situation like a stuck horn. Just come in and uh, just save it. Stop it. And if you don't have boundaries in place, some of these people, when they come in, will wear you out. You've got to ask the question, am I a steamroller? Do I come in and just kind of jack up things? When people are around me, do they feel like, I never measure up around him? That's a sad place to be. Am I around people that go, you, you just don't measure up? They're manipulators. They will always find a way to get you to do what you don't even want to do. It's like, I didn't even want to do that and I ended up doing it. You lose your sense of identity. You lose your sense of reality. You're with a steamroller, man. They're manipulators. And then they're narcissistic. They're better than you are. The world is blessed to have a person such as them that lives in it. Control freaks, steamrollers, the critic, the gossip. Let's break down even the control freak. The control freak is unable to let things go and just let things be. I, I got to get this one right. 
control freaks injure most, if not all, relationships that they're involved in because they're controlling it. They can't even control themselves. They don't even know how to lead themselves, but they end up trying to control everybody around them. They have very little privacy for anybody else's world. They're Snoop Dogg. They probably listen to Snoop Dogg going to sleep at night because they're always just snooping around. How can I get in your space? They become critical when they're not in full control. Control freaks. They have a hard time going with the flow. They have a hard time biting their tongues. They sound like a drill sergeant. Just save it. And I remember some of this stuff growing up, like my first introduction to church, man, it was, it was, it was killing me. Control freaks alienate others. My first introduction to church was the 1611 King James only Tennessee Temple, Pensacola. You think I wanted anything to do with that control freak mentality? Where was grace? Where was love? Where was mercy? Where was the extension and kindness of the gospel? It was controlling. I'm like, no, I, I don't want that. Control freaks will blame and drain. They blame. They like hearing their own voice. They complain about what isn't working in their life and almost get energy by dumping on you. My buddy Richard, when he got into counseling, is like, oh, Lord. This, this is one of the most exhausting personalities to be around. Would you stop? You're killing you. You're killing everybody around you. You take the joy out of everything. You ruin the moment. You're, you're killing me. Your negative attitude is cancerous. Every person you're with is diseased after a period of time. Would you stop it? And, and, and just listen to me. Hanging out and staying in toxic relationships will absolutely annihilate your health. I'm running. I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with it. You know how many people that got introduced to some type of church flavor that dealt with the critic, the steamroller, the control freak, and all of a sudden years later, when they're 18, 20 years old, they throw the towel about as far as they can throw it and say, later, I don't want anything to do with that. They're tired of being manipulated. They're tired of the control. I know so many people that just threw the towel in. This young girl we were meeting with last night, I said, why don't you come to church with us tomorrow? She's like, <laughs> I'm like, what's up? I hadn't been to church in a long time. Did you get beat up? Did you feel like a piece of crap last time you went? Did people tell you you were sorry and you were a loser and you'd never win? I'm so sorry. We, we believe your story matters. We believe there's redemptive hope for you. We know a God that can redeem and restore your story. We, we know a God that if he had a wallet, your picture would be in it. He's crazy about you. We know a God that loves you, and he's not down on you. Okay, you've jacked it up. We understand. We all have. 
But if we're willing to repent and unplug from that junk and plug into Jesus, I don't know what Jesus you got introduced to, but the one of the Bible is really a loving, caring father. So you, you deal with these personalities. Then you got the gossip. Oh, my Lord. I mean, they avoid relational intimacy by talking about everybody else. I had a friend call his daughter the roving reporter. I'm like, for real? Roving reporter. It's almost like they're energized by sharing the latest scoop. Hey, I got the latest scoop. For real? How's that working for you? And here's what I know about a gossip. Just listen to me. It's a, if a gossip will talk to you about somebody else, they'll talk to somebody else about you. If they're coming to you saying, hey, now I'm going to share something with you that you, you I, I don't want you saying anything, just say, just, just shut up right now. Because if you're going to dog somebody else to me, you're going to pick me apart to somebody else. Don't, don't do that, first of all. Don't dog them to me. And if you want to dog me, you can do whatever. But you're not dogging somebody else to me. I, I'm not a dumpster. I'm not a trash can. Now, if you're really trying to work through something for the sake of restoration and reconciliation, we'll work it out. But if you're coming just to run your mouth, save it. Save it. I get notes all the time. This dude's messed up. This guy's so twisted. For real. You're the one that's thinking jacked up. You've screwed it up for years. You blaming why you went back out and started snorting coke? Own it. Stop it. I dealt with that this week. I'm not even going to respond to that nonsense. I want to blame somebody. Here's a premise statement. Y'all listen. Happy Mother's Day. Here's a premise statement. The church, the church is not a place for perfect people. It's a sanctuary for the sick. I promise you it is. It's not a place for perfect people. It's a sanctuary for those who are sick. I came to Jesus sick, diseased, toxic. I came to faith, jacked up, ruined, and messed up. I came with all kinds of wounds and all kinds of baggage. I came to faith in Christ because I needed a Savior that could save me. I needed someone that could rescue me. I needed someone bigger than me. You ever been there? You ever been there? Now, the church is not a place for perfect people because there is no perfect people. It's a sanctuary for the sick, but don't miss this. Just because I came to him sick, toxic, and diseased does not mean that I have to stay sick, toxic, and diseased. And there's a lot of people that believe that it's okay to pray a prayer thinking, oh, I'm going to dodge hell and stay jacked up. It, it, it's not. Now, let me give you some, some encouragement today. This is all life coaching here. Simple life coaching for me. I've studied Les Parrott. I've studied a lot of what Les and Leslie, his wife, has written. Again, as I said, 
Les and Leslie are going to be a part of the simulcast that we're doing on marriage on Friday night. Incredible. Francis and Lisa, Lisa Chan, they're going to be there. It's, going to, it, it's really incredible teaching. I've learned a lot from Les Parrott. And I would encourage you to read some of his stuff because it's really helped me in reading some Bob Bifford and others on boundaries and how to negotiate and navigate through this stuff. I mean, we're all trying to figure it out. But th these kind of things have helped me in my personal life. Now, here's what I would say. But here's what I would say. We need some tools on how do we win as a body of believers? Is there anything that we can do to succeed? Is there any secrets to success? First Thessalonians 5. Paul writes this to some believers that were about ready to give it up. They were tired and uh, they, they thought Jesus was coming back real soon. So they, they weren't even trying to make the effort they should have been making. Just listen to me. So he's writing to them saying, hey, stay with it. Get your chin up. Stay with the process, Ben. Stay with it. Now, listen to what he says. I'll pick it up in, at the end of verse 13. He says, be at peace among yourselves. We urge you, admonish the idle or the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. Always, always seek to do good to one another. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all things. This is the will of God. Now, read it one more time. This is the will of God. This is the will of God that you live at peace with others. This is the will of God that you do good to others. This is the will of God that you admonish the unruly. This is the will of God that you encourage the faint-hearted. This is the will of God that you rejoice. This is the will of God that you pray. This is the will of God that you give thanks. This is the will of God. People go, what's the will of God? All this is the will of God. Okay, this is the will of God. Now, let's unpackage it. Be at peace among yourselves. Here's what it means. Place great value on relationships. Do not treat relationships as if they're disposable. Extend grace to those who are hurting Extend grace to those who have failed. Extend grace to those who have screwed up. Why? When you look in the mirror, you go, I'm not perfect. I need grace. I'm glad that God the Father does not treat relationships as if they're disposable. Well, I saved you, and you prayed and asked me to come in and take over your life, but you... you, you your language was still dragged up, or you went out and still got hammered one time, or you, you, stop, stop. Listen, you're not believing I'm enough for you. You're still thinking you can find something in the world. Stop it. I'm enough. Now be at peace with me. Be at peace with you. Now be at peace with others. Aren't you glad that relationships are not disposable to God? Aren't you glad that he don't write you off when you jack it up? I messed it up. Now be at peace. Place value on the others who are made in the image of God. Listen to what he says here. Brandy, you'll love this. We urge you. That, that's the word he uses. We urge you. The word urge means to come alongside and help. I'm urging you. It's almost like Paul is spiritually shaken saying, hey, hey, listen, come alongside, offer assistance, help. Involvement transcends attendance. Okay, cool. So you attend. Now get involved. Anybody can attend. Anybody can show up. But I want you to get involved. 
I want you to do life with others. I want you to get into their narrative. I want you to get into the mud of their story. I want you to get in there with them. True church has nothing to do with just showing up on Sunday morning. True church is a 24-7, 365. That's true church when I'm out allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me, work in me and through me. Because the word church means those who belong to the Lord. And wherever I am, the church is always there. So true church is being filled and flooded with the power of the Holy Spirit and just grace going, all right, I urge you, come alongside, see somebody hurting, see somebody knocked down, now get involved, serve, give, connect, commune, get in a small group, you can't do it by yourself, let somebody walk with you and start to Take those lies that you've been believing and start to take the word of God and let the word of God start to transform you. Come, I urge you, get in the game. Quit sitting in the stands. Quit doing nothing. Get it in the game. Okay, you got to get in the game. I urge you, admonish. Admonish? You want me to admonish. Admonish is a military term. And it literally meant... The person is out of step. They're loafing. They're quitting. They're lazy. They're apathetic. They're giving up. Admonish that person. They're out of step. They're not marching right. They're not living right. They're out of step. They're starting to quit. They're starting to loaf. Admonish that person. It starts with us being able to allow the Holy Spirit to admonish ourselves. You're getting lazy. You're using excuses. You're starting to quit. You're not persevering. Then it starts in marriage. Hey, we're in this thing for life. Let's fight it out. Come on. Then it starts with parenting. Then it starts with other relationships. I urge you, listen, listen, get involved, to admonish. And when you study this metaphor that Paul uses, literally, it was the portrait of a soldier who had gotten out of step with everything he wasn't submitting to authority. He was out of line. He, 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 was, he was charged with disorderly conduct. But dude, your conduct is jacked up. You're hindering the whole platoon. You're disobeying orders. You're not following what you're supposed to be following. You're hurting the team. You're jacking it up. Admonish. We did our football night on Tuesday night, Coach. I think the final numbers were with, with the coaches and players. We had 296 in the gym, over 100 prayed to receive Christ the other night. And as you coach, it's like, oh, oh, I'm coaching. I got to admonish. You're not following the, the, the playbook. You're not staying in line with it. Admonish the idle. Admonish the unruly. They're idle. They're on the sidelines. They're not doing anything. Idle and unruly, literally. They're complaining and draining the team. They're hurting the team. They've become idle. They're not sweating it out. They're not using their gifts. They're not using their abilities. They're not helping the team admonish that person because as soon as you are okay with the idle or the unruly, what ends up happening is they start setting the tone of what the norm is. We've got to shape culture. We've got culture. We've got to keep it strong. I'm not going to accept. 
me, Barb, any of our kids. We're not putting up with that. Let's go. Do your part. Pick up your room. Clean it up. Put your shoes out of the way. Admonish. You're out of step. You're not contributing. You're hindering the development. Admon Paul goes, shh, shh, shh. listen, listen, listen. Be at peace. How can you be at peace with others? By admonishing. Well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. No, you're afraid of tension. If love is doing that which is most redemptive for the other person, do you want to love them or not? I would rather hurt their feelings and see them repent and get right with God than not to say anything and then bust tail wide open because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. The gospel hurts my feelings. The truth hurts my feelings. It hurts my feelings. Repent. So God constantly admonishes us. And the word admonished literally can mean this. Come alongside and put some sense in their head. Literally, when you study the Greek, what do, you, what do you want me to do? I want you to come alongside and help put some sense in their heads. Okay? And then he goes on to say, encourage the faint-hearted. The word encourage means to inspire and give support to. I want you to encourage the faint-hearted. Oh, this is crazy. The word faint-hearted comes from two Greek words. Small soul. Hey, hey, you got some people around you that have some small souls, meaning their thinking and their will and their emotion and their determination is small. Their soul is small. They, 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 they get stuck. They stay stuck. They lack courage. They drift to what is safe. They don't want any persecution. They're afraid of opposition. They don't want to grow. They're stuck. They're small-souled. You don't have to stay a small soul. They live very depressed, very discouraged lives. What's wrong with them? They've empowered a lot of other things around them, and their soul, thoughts, emotions, will, determination has become small. Encourage, motivate, stimulate, agitate, inspire the small soul. Now, now watch out. Because small souls love to gravitate with other small souls, and small souls will do little, and they, they complain, and they just sit around. They're small souls, but encourage them, inspire them, motivate them, stimulate them. And the idea is a stronger Christian coming alongside a weaker Christian saying, hey, go over there and inspire and motivate them. They're a small soul. It's somebody who's a little further down the road helping somebody else get a little further down the road. If the purest definition of being a Christian is being all I can be and the best I can be for the glory of God, then a disciple maker is nothing more than helping you be all you can be and the best you can be for the glory of God. It's all about you being the best you can be and all you can be for the glory of God. I'm making disciples. What, what does that mean? I'm, I'm trying to help you be all you can be and the best you can be for the glory of God. Hey, encourage the small souls. Encourage them. They're open to sin. They fall into the same sin over and over. 
nobody's come alongside and encouraged them. They've just tolerated it. They struggle obeying God. They embarrass themselves. They embarrass their families. They require a lot of attention. They complain. They quit. They bounce around. They're, they're church hoppers and shoppers. And it's like, stop it. Paul goes, listen to me. Encourage the small soul. They, they, they control and they steamroll and they manipulate because they're small souls. They have to be in control because they're not willing to let God be in control. Encourage as I was studying this, oh, listen, Joe, this is so huge. Patrick, this is huge for us. Encourage the small soul. He doesn't say empower the small soul. He doesn't say let the small soul plug into you so that you become the small soul's identity or power source. He goes, encourage them, but don't empower them. Don't be okay with a small soul staying a small soul. And all of us, when we repent and come to faith in Christ, we're all fragile and we're all small souls, but we don't have to stay small souls. This is, this is one of the most powerful passages, I promise you. For parenting, for just marriage, for whatever, for friendships. And then he says, I want you to help the weak. Which implies I want you to hold firmly. I want you to support. I, I want you to help them up and I want you to hold them up. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. If a brother or a sister is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual come alongside and help them up, hold them up, bear one another's burdens. Hey, you're going through a tough time, I'll bear your burdens with you. You're going through a tough time, man, it's been a tough summer for you. You're exhausted and fatigued, man, you, 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 you want to snap, I'll walk with you. Man, you're going through a tough time, you're tired, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, Tim, you're getting depleted, you, you, you got this big bill that came in yesterday from the Mayo Clinic and had to go down to Choa because Hannah was all inflamed and bam, another one. And then this med and that med. Ah, ah, ah. I'll help carry that burden, would you? you? You see, I want to fulfill the law of Christ, which is to love God and love others. I'll come alongside and help carry that burden. You see, when I go through a tough time, you're going to walk it with me. And when you go through a tough time, I'm going to walk it with you. You, you see, you're weak right now. Not because your faith is not strong, but you just, you're tired. You got beat down a little bit. I, I'll go with you. I'll lift your arms up. I'll carry you. You ain't heavy. You're my brother. Come on. And that is what he's saying. Help him. And he closes this thing by saying, be patient. And the word be patient ah, means be slow to boil, be slow to blow a gasket. You, you're dealing with some people that are faint-hearted. You're dealing with some people that are weak. You're dealing with some people that are idle and unruly. Be, 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 be patient. Be slow to boil. Don't blow a gasket with them. Somebody came alongside you. Don't, 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 don't blow a gasket yet. Shh, shh, shh. I know you want to snap. 
And so here's the deal. Like the church really starts to grow when, when people, this is crazy, when people start caring for people. When did they start growing? When people started caring for people, they, they started growing. We care enough to go to the wayward and admonish them. We care enough to go to the worried and encourage them. We care enough to go to the weak and hold them up. We care enough to do life with others. Always, listen to what he says, always do good to one another. That's what he says in Thessalonians. Hey, hey, hey. Always do good to one another. We do this birthday blessing thing. It's always fun, right? My little dude Caleb's birthday was on Friday, turned 15. So we had our little party last night for him. And some of his buddies he went to school with were there and some other family members. And I'm, I'm just telling you. They had their little dance on Friday night, and he was styling and profiling. I mean, he, I thought he was so cute. And I'm like, dude, if you unbutton one more button, I'm going to see your belly button there. I mean, come on, man. You're trying to look like John Travolta. This ain't Saturday Night Live. You go to a Christian school, bro. Come on. I just needed like a Mr. T starter kit of gold around his neck. He would have been like really styling. But we had, we had this thing. And, uh, but Friday night, they gave all these awards, and they gave him an award that said you have the most up beat influential attitude of any of these so last night they were going around blessing him and this one little dude said last year when i jacked it up last year when my parents were down on me and everybody was down on me and pretty much every coach had written me off caleb you believed in me and caleb you said something to me one day on the baseball field that i'll never forget and he said it and he said i just want to tell you man you didn't give up on me they were seventh graders. You, 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 you said, come on. And I stayed with it. And I'm sitting there last night listening to these peers of his. You encourage people. You want to see people win. I mean, Merle spends as much time with Caleb as probably anybody. Caleb and Merle are sidekicks. What a combination that is. But Merle knows he's an encourager. And I was looking going, hey, Caleb, always do good to one another. Try to encourage them. If you jack it up, hey, you violated me, man. Don't blame me for your junk. You jacked it up. Rejoice. Listen to the words here. Always do good. Rejoice. Always. Pray without ceasing, which means pray always. Give thanks in all things means always give thanks. Always. 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 Hannah, you got CF. It's doable. Always. Always, 
the secret to success. Admonish, encourage. Come on, stay with it. Stay with it. Ben, some people just jack it up. So you, you're like, you don't want to live in fellowship community? It takes two people walking in the light to have like real fellowship. You don't want it? Cool. But I'm going to find a place of community where I can flourish and grow. I want to see you win. I want to see you flourish. I want to see you get involved. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. I encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series. So you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.